You are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. You have Brennan and Jody this week, and we are going to hear from Craig and Hank a little bit later. They are talking a bunch of different movies and TV. Uh, the Watcher, Clerks 3, Halloween Ends, and both of them went to see John Mulaney. Uh, this past week in the city. I also went and saw John Mulaney. Thank you very much, Hank, for some uh, tickets. Hank actually won the early bird draw for CFCR for F Emphasis, and he got the tickets, and uh, he already had a ticket. So he gave his ticket to me, which was really, really awesome. I really liked John Mulaney. I thought it was a good show. It was a little weird being in a stadium and seeing a comedian because it's not very intimate, uh, but it was still really good. And the other thing that was really weird was in order to stop people from recording the show, you had to put your cell phone into a pouch when you came in the door. Okay, fine. Except that like your ticket is on your cell phone. So once you do that and then you put it in this pouch and then it's like, well, what about all those people who use their cell phone as money? Like now you can't buy anything. You can't get merch, you can't buy snacks and food. Uh, you also don't have a watch. There are like no clocks in Saskatchewan Center. So just, you know, thankfully Hank had the foresight to borrow his little girl's pink digital watch. So we had an idea of like what time that the show was like gonna start so we could like get her into our seats appropriately. And then after it was over, everybody had to like crowd outside and have the pouch taken apart one by one and have your cell phone rescued. So very weird. Like it was just unnerving. And I'm not a cell phone person to start with. So I don't know, it, it weirded me out. Have you ever had this it, happen? I haven't, no, but I've heard with comedians that's been happening a lot. Dave Chappelle, from what I understand, was one of the first ones to actually start doing that or at least was the one who became more notable doing it. And he said, you know, one, I'm, I need to make a living, but two, people want to take things and take it out of context and whatever else. So, so no, I've definitely heard of it going on, uh, but I've yet to have that experience. So, but now I wish it would have gone. So I could have talked about my experience with having my cell phone <laughs> taken away and put in a bag. I'm sure it'll happen. I like comedians a lot. I know there's some shows coming up. So here's hoping I get my phone taken away. Okay, I, I'm rooting for you, Brennan. Um, yeah, you can, you can report on how it made you feel. So yeah, so there was that going on. And then this past weekend, we also had um, Sask Assemble happened and we had had Steve Boyd on the show to talk about it. I went, it was really cool. Um, it was just the right size, I thought. So it took place at the Sandman Hotel on Lorne Avenue in one of their ballrooms. There were about, I would say, 20-ish different vendors with mostly comics and some collectibles. There were a few artists there, which was great. Audra Ballion was there and Nathan Wall was there. Uh, and I got some cool back issues. The biggest score was I got six issues of Maverick. James Garner in Maverick, the comic. I had no idea that that was actually a thing until I was like, <gasps> You know, you know that feeling I'm talking about, Brennan, when you're like going through a, a back issue bin and you're just like. <gasps> That's happened to me at Amazing Stories in the dollar bin more than once where I found uh, an issue of Animal Man that took me years to find in Calgary, only to find it 
like the next week at Amazing Stories in the Dollar Bin. But I have it now. I have two copies of it now. So yeah, that's the best. That's the best part when you're a comic collector and you find that rare find that you didn't think you'd come across. Yeah, and it, and it was uh, one of those rare surprises because again, I didn't know it was like an old Dell comic. So now I gotta like research a bunch and find out what I'm missing and get the full run. But what I loved about it is like the comics smelled pretty bad because they're like from the fifties. Um, and the, the art and stuff is really pretty cool. It looks sort of like James Garner, but all the covers are photo covers. So they're mm. like super stellar. Some are in better shape than others, but I got an awesome deal from the Collectors Club in Moose Jaw. So thumbs up to those guys. I had a great time. And thank you to Steve Boyd for putting it on and all the other vendors who were there. I hope everybody had a good time and made some money and will be back because yeah, it was exactly my jam. Like I enjoyed Sask Expo, but my favorite things about Sask Expo were basically what was in this room. Like all the back issues and the creators and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, it was really, really good. So that was awesome. All right, so enough of that. Let's get down to business. Uh, we got some comics and some books and some other stuff to talk about. So Brennan, why don't you kick things off and tell us about what you've been reading. I bought this comic as well, but I haven't read it yet. Junkyard Joe. What is Junkyard Joe? So Junkyard Joe uh, is written by uh, Jeff Johns. Uh, with art by, sorry, uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Gary Frank's the artist, I believe, correct? I believe. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Now that I turn to the first page. And uh, Junkyard Joe is a character that came out of their Geiger series, which I quite liked. I really got into it for the first couple of issues, but however, sometimes life gets busy and you, and you drop off. That's what happened with me. What I love about it, first thing I saw was this robot running in what appears to be Vietnam being shot at. And so I'm already hooked. I've always been a big fan of weird historical superhero slash supernatural stories. One of my favorite comics of all time was Creature Commandos, which if we don't know is a, a, a group of soldiers, um, I believe during World War II. Uh, one is like Medusa, one's like Dracula, one's a Wolfman, one is like Frankenstein. And they go out and they you know fight the good fight, but of course they're creatures. Um, and later on they had GI combat who became a character in Creature Commandos. So when I saw Junkyard Joe, I'm like, it's GI Combat. And it pretty much follows a GI Combat type story. So it's 1972, we're in Vietnam. We have this, this troop who has to go on a, a mission to take out a target. And of course, a mysterious soldier shows up. They, he doesn't talk, he kind of acts weird. Um, they go through jungle, they get attacked. This new soldier goes and helps save the day. Turns out he's a robot because he gets blown up and all his fake skin and things, right? It really follows like a GI combat story. Like this could have been written back in the 70s as a creature commando story. As it goes on, things happen. Um, it really kind of follows all the beats I would expect from a comic like this. However, at the very end, there's a little twist. There's what I call the short story ending. So if you think of like Life of Pi, when uh, Yann Martel read that, people said it was this brilliant novel, but then the end it has like this kind of short story twist to it. This one kind of has a little bit of that, that actually kind of puts the whole story into a completely different context, which I super, super liked. I really enjoyed it. So uh, start to finish, it's exactly what you would think it would be. Um, at the end, they actually have some veteran dedications. So there are uh, Jeff John's family, we're, we're veterans. And so they actually have a section where they have pictures 
of people from from different wars and write-ups about them and things. So it's it's kind of nice that they actually sort of add uh, a real element to it, right? So sometimes we forget when we read these fictional stories with robotic soldiers that they're actual real people that were behind it. So this was chapter one. There is a chapter two. There's a very distinctive arts look that which is a style which is totally different. The comic that we get is in the more comic-y, not literal comic, but like superhero kind of comic. At the end, they hint at more of a like a comic-y kind of look. So the difference between like the real Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the animated series. So issue two is already called Whatever Happened to Junkyard Joe? So being that I don't know any of this character from the last series from Geiger, uh, I'm really curious to see where it goes. But you know, I like I like seeing you know historical superhero books, and this one really scratched that itch really well. So it was it was quite good. I'd, I'd check it out. Okay, awesome. I also was a big fan of Geiger. I really liked the first few issues of it. I kept buying it, but I haven't read it. So I might have to haul those out and have a look before I delve into Junkyard Joe. I'm sorry to say that I buy far more than I read. I have good intentions, but they don't always come to fruition. And I have a very shameful and giant pile uh, beside my desk here that I'm going to get into. But that made me think of like, maybe we should do something special for a Remembrance Day coming up. There's a lot of Ooh. really great war comics. And uh, let's let's do some of our favorite ones for right around that time. So, okay, it's a date. Yeah, that'd be great. Cause some are very great and realistic and some are funny, but still great. <laughs> yeah, there's a good spectrum. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips in a little bit, but first we're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig and get their take on what's going on in the world. As I said before, some movies and their review of John Mulaney. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. Craig Silliphant here on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my brother in baldness, my brother in beard, my also four-eyed brother, Hank Cruz. Yay! Well, I didn't realize we had that many things in common. You're right. Oh, my we God. Do. We do. Our, uh, uh, our asses look sweet in jeans, too. That, too. I, yeah. I, I mean, I... I I could have I could have said that, but I feel like I had to truncate it somewhere. So I understand. Uh, and it's a family show, so I mean. Oh yeah, I study. I stop looking at my bottom. That's right. Uh, so we got a few things today. We're gonna throw at the wall. Uh, why don't you start? I know I've been very oh. interested in the show that you want to talk about, and whether it's uh, decent or not. I haven't watched a single episode of it yet, but uh, take her away. So uh, many weeks ago, we talked about how uh, now shows should come out weekly so that we can talk about them. So on Friday, they, uh, on Netflix, they uh, put out the show called The Watcher. So I was watching The Watcher, which I don't know if that's weird or not. It should have been released weekly so that we could talk about it because it's one of those shows that it's like, right. oh. um, so to start with, uh, Naomi Watts uh, and Bobby uh, Cannavale. They're the main stars, but there is also one of my favorites, uh, Margot Martindale is in it, and a serious Jennifer Coolidge is in it. And after her turn in White Lotus, where I'm like, well, that was the best performance of her career. Now you've seen another serious role. I'm like, good for you, Jennifer Coolidge. Anywho, this show is so addicting. And it is awesome. And it goes like right up to the end. So it is about a, uh, it's a, a mystery thriller uh, about a, a married couple with uh, two kids that move out of the city to buy their dream home in the suburbs. But once they move into their dream home, 
things start to get creepy and they start getting these like uh, weird and uh, really uh, scary letter sent to them by somebody that's called the watcher. And then the watcher you're like, is it just somebody that's trying to get them to move out of the house so that they can buy it because they love the house or they want to get a better deal on it and flip it? Is it uh, a crazy cult across the street that's like drinking the blood of children and sneaking into the house? Are there ghosts in there? Is everybody going insane? I don't want to say any more other than it's super addicting. Now, Ryan Murphy created this and a lot of people are like oh, Ryan Murphy and then the ending's going to be like Ryan Murphy now the end of the show so it's seven episodes miniseries uh halfway through the end I was so angry that I was like I will break my tv and then once I got put I'm like oh I see what you did there and then the I thought it was great I thought it was a great show again it's not like a hundred it's like I'd give it probably well, I don't know what I gave it, like an 82 somewhere in there um but addicting uh, watch it. I wish it came out weekly and I didn't uh, go and binge the thing, but uh, uh, you need to check it out. You need to check it out. Oh, okay, good. Well, it's on my list. I've just been uh, trying to get to it. There's so much good stuff right oh, now. Oh, and sorry, it's uh, loosely based on a true story about this happening in uh, right. uh, in uh, real life. Loosely based on the true story, but watch it. Watch the watcher. We should also add that it's not to be confused with the movie that came out I think it was technically 2022 called the watcher with uh, michael monroe which is a very good thriller film nothing we haven't seen before but it's very well made and michael monroe's great in it so uh two two good shows called the watcher and also uh the watcher that came out in 2016 with aaron cahill and Edie gathergy uh and also the watcher that came out in 2011 and also the oh wait do we want to keep 2014 and you know they should have got a better title list all the shows not called the watcher instead (laughs) yeah like i mean come on come up with an original like clerks three yeah what a segue so yeah i got i I saw clerks three over the weekend and i have to say like i mean you know going back i'm obviously uh, a big fan of the original movie i was just the right age when it came out and when it changed uh along with movies like reservoir dogs and some of the other 90s miramax indie movies where it sort of changed the the way that people looked at movies and movie making uh and it was sort of start kicked off another golden age in american uh cinema uh and of course it was like the punk rock of movies where like uh you know punk rock or uh, something like nirvana even showed people that you didn't have to be this virtuoso guitar player to have a band you could just get some instruments and go in the garage with your buddies and bang out some noise and boom you had a band same with clerks uh kevin smith sold his comic collection and made this movie about you know just him him and his slacker buddies that you know worked as as convenience store clerks in 2006 i think it was there was a sequel uh which was i remember it being pretty funny i haven't seen it in a while but uh now this year clerks three and i have to say it was a fairly major disappointment I, you know, it's fun to catch up with those characters again and see where they're at. And they kind of tried to get back to like the roots of, you know, just those two dudes working in the, in the uh, convenience store or whatever. But I think he's working out some of his heart attack angst. Obviously, uh, Kevin Smith had a pretty serious uh, heart attack a couple of years ago. And the movie ends up being like, I was like, is this a comedy or a drama or even a clip show? Like the, 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 the synopsis is that don't or Randall, I should say, not Dante Randall has a heart attack. And then he decides he's, he wants to like do something with his life. So he wants to make a movie based on their experiences as clerks. So kind of this, like, you know, 
meta idea of of him making the clerk's movie basically you know which is a fairly whatever premise it's fine but just the way it goes is just it's it's not really that funny it's kind of cheesy it's just a lot of like dramatic ideas that are kind of handled really rushed and in a sort of cheesy manner a lot of cheesy music drops so i'm not saying don't watch it i think anybody that's a fan of uh the view askew universe will check it out and there might be some parts of it you know that you like but overall i was kind of like yeah i don't know man maybe i'd go back and watch part two instead but uh, uh i should also uh, it's not my favorite quirks movie but it's my favorite quirks movie with sarah michelle geller and freddie prince jr in there so that's true and how that. the years have ravaged freddie prince jr I <laughs> so you've seen clerks three yeah. yeah okay well what did you think of it then love the original and then yes. clerks two it's like yeah, okay but this one it felt unnecessary and like we didn't need it and then yeah exactly what he did with it was more about personal things than it was about like the all of the characters as part of quirks but as a fan of quirks you got to see it but yeah. uh, a lot of great uh, people in there but uh, overall um, it could have been a little written a little differently yeah and ben affleck has a funny like cameo in it too that i thought was like danny trejo's in it so danny like, Trejo has one, in yeah. it. like uh, a bunch of cool people but uh it just wasn't the coolest movie yeah yeah no for sure i also will quickly say i saw halloween ends and thank god it did i would say the movie itself is a would be a very interesting idea for a standalone Michael Myers film because it's kind of not really about Michael Myers. It's about this other kid who is a babysitter and kind of ends up killing this kid. That's in the opening scene, basically. But like <laughs> spoiler uh, alert. Spoilers. And and so it's yeah, it kind of deals with his trauma and Laurie Strode a bit, but the way that the second movie sidelined Laurie Strode, this one sidelines Michael Myers. Uh, so anyway, it was a neat idea for a Michael Myers film, but just not the trilogy ending. Uh, and then it kind of eventually like becomes sort of uninteresting as you go along. So, uh, but we've got a, a minute or two left here, and I know both you and I went to John Mulaney uh, at Saskatel Center last week. Yeah, Johnny, uh, what did you uh, what did you think of the show? Oh, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, uh, he's, I would say, in my top probably. 10 comics i would think and uh, to have him come to saskatoon was quite uh nice even the opening uh, comics i thought were okay because normally i'm like uh, but uh both of them are okay uh, i like how this one was even more i guess focused than some of his other ones about uh his rehab and things like that where some people that's what they didn't like about it was like okay i want to hear more stories about other things and just keep going to rehab but i, I uh, thought it was nice it did seem like he was being honest with the crowd and and uh had many of the laughs and how smartly written everything is yeah um, he manages to be like smarmy but like relatable at the same time like yeah. self-deprecating so like uh sort of playing with that idea that he's a star and that he might have an ego but also that he's an idiot like not, he's not <laughs> yep. like, himself, you know what I mean? uh and yeah lots of great stories about his intervention and stuff with super famous people like uh you know nick kroll and seth Meyers over zoom like over zoom yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah overall i thought it was great and i thought the opening comics were great and i liked that there wasn't a break in between all of it it just went started and then went to the yes. end i know some people complained that Mulaney's set felt a little loose but i think that was fine he was riffing with the crowd there was a, a kid in the audience whose mom i talked to on twitter actually a couple days later uh, <laughs> who was like 12 years old and in the audience and is a big uh, Mulaney fan so overall uh i think it was a great show i'm not used to seeing I, that's the first time i've seen a comedian in a stadium like that i'm not sure i love that experience because it's like you pay over a hundred dollars just to watch a screen which i could do at home for free but uh but ultimately i think it was worth it so uh yay 
So yeah. that's our time for today that we got to shoot back over to Jody there. Uh, so keep your dukes up. Woo. All right. Thanks guys. Okay. So I love Brubaker. I love Phillips. Like everything that they make is gold. Uh, they put out a comic called Criminal for a lot of years and those have all been collected. And then now they're not making any more comics. They're making graphic novels instead. So two or three per year are coming out. And for the last two years, we've had the stories of a character named Ethan Reckless. The first one is just simply called Reckless. And it has like everything I love in a comic. The artwork is great. The storytelling is brilliant. It's that crime film noir feel with lots of good juicy pop culture references in it. Uh, I love their tagline, which is meet Ethan Reckless. Your trouble is his business for a price. And uh, in the first book, you kind of establish who he is. He's this like former radical 60s dude, um, kind of, they say one part repo man, one part private eye, one part wrecking ball. And in that first issue, somebody from his past reaches out and he has to like follow through. He feels like he owes it to that person to kind of solve this problem. And he has to come to grips with his own past as a result. Really great opener. And then the next few books just keep getting better and better and better. So book two is called Friend of the Devil. And in this one, there's like this missing woman. So it's like all Hollywood, B-movie, this whole like underground secret underbelly with occult stuff. And he has to like find her basically. And it's set in 1985. So there's, again, lots of really cool little references in it. Book three is Destroy All Monsters. So I should mention the other kind of main character in these books is Anna. So Reckless won or was paid for one of his jobs by a client with a movie theater. So an abandoned old movie theater in LA, which is his home. And Anna is sort of like this runaway kid who kept coming back to this movie theater because it was one place that her and her dad would always go. And they become unlikely friends and unlikely private investigator partners almost. And so uh, in this one, it's, it's him and Anna kind of taking on this case where they're trying to dig up the dirt on this Los Angeles real estate mogul. And it's really, really good. And the dynamic between the two like just adds so much to establish Ethan's character. It's really, really good. My favorite in the series, I think has to be book four. And that is The Ghost in You. And in this one, it's the late 80s. And Ethan has just kind of had enough. Like after his last adventure, he needs a break. So he takes off. And Anna is left to run the movie theater and she's doing her thing. And this movie screen queen comes and asks her to investigate. She thinks that her house is haunted. So Anna goes and of course, wackiness ensues like Scooby-Doo should. And it's a really great, great story. And Anna is a fantastic and compelling character. And that leads me to the most recent book, number five. So this book is what Ethan ends up doing while he's away. 
and while Anna is doing that other adventure in the haunted house. So he goes to San Francisco. He's basically just kind of hanging out and surfing and stuff. He befriends these two guys who live in the building. And one of them, his daughter-in-law has gone missing. And so he starts to dig around and find out what is going on, where she is, what she's doing. It's dark. All of these are dark. They definitely have some, some shadowy bits to them for sure. But this one is particularly dark in that he discovers, without giving too much away, but he discovers this, this young woman. She's kind of had like an epiphany following the 1989 earthquake. So she, you know, decides to totally change her life and she goes after some of her abusers from when she was a child. And so he's trying to find her before she, A, gets caught and does more damage than she probably should. But he ends up kind of befriending her and abetting her mission. And then it flashes forward. So you get, again, like a lot of different views of the situation and of Ethan. And it also plants some seeds for like, okay, so if Anna's last adventure was in 1989 and then we're flashing forward to like 2004, they kind of let go some ideas of like what has happened in that interim, which we don't know yet because it hasn't been written. So it also means that there's only a finite number of stories that can happen in that that time span. So I really hope they get busy and dig in and start making more because this series is absolutely tremendous. I, I really, really love it. I, I also really love um, the fade out and Fatale and a bunch of their other stuff. Killer Be Killed is, is good, but not as good. Pulp is freaking amazing. And My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies is also really good. But if you want to get into something that is meaty, and great literary has beautiful art you you really can't do much better than the reckless series so you should check that out have you read any of this stuff i haven't no but you have talked about it so much and every time you talk about it it sounds like something that would be exactly up my alley so why i haven't bothered to pick it up and look into it yet i, I don't know i have a, a couple single issues of criminal from before but i didn't like the idea of just like graphic novels every few months just because you can kind of commit to it and then you have something to kind of look forward to, right? You can kind of commit some time to it. Even as a writer, I think I'd like that better. Instead of having to pump it up monthly, you can really like really sink your teeth into it and, and get a chance to play with it how you want. I really like in this series and as well as like Criminal, like all of this, the graphic novels, you can read them standalone. It's better if you read all of it because there are like little characters that overlap, but all in all, it is a gem so pick that up and if you're looking for an opportunity to do that um, there's a big sale at amazing stories this week everything's 29% off basically because it's 29 year anniversary so, check that out and that wraps up our show for another week so thank you for tuning in you know what to do in the meantime keep your dukes up